apostolic leadership kingdom leadership part two we are not working for ourselves we are working for the one that have called us and he should guide us on which way to go I will start by reading Proverbs chapter 17 verse number 7 Proverbs 17 verse number 7 I'm reading from the message translation again. I like it because it's simpler for you to understand. And it says, We don't expect eloquence from fools, nor do we expect lies from our leaders. Are you there? I repeat, We don't expect eloquence from fools. Nor do we expect lies from our leaders. And that's a very terrible place to be. Because the day your member discovers the trait of lies and the things you teach and do, you will lose membership. Just like you don't, when you look at your food, say, I don't expect you to tell me anything. It's the same thing. Your people look at you. I don't expect him to tell me lies. What you don't know, simply admit you don't know. If a certain thing is going on, you see, the problem is people don't ask you questions sometimes. Don't your member come to you with questions sometimes? Tell them the truth. People sometimes come to me and say, what you just said, I have no idea about it yet. Give me time to go study and pray. It doesn't take anything from me. They see you to be sincere when you tell them the truth and they can follow you anywhere, anytime. People don't expect lies from you. It's just like I was saying, you mentioned that because of a discussion. Sometimes when certain things happen, you say it because you have no faith. Where was the faith of Lazarus when Jesus healed him? He was there three days. Am I right? Where was his faith? And on the other hand, you say, well, you don't have faith. That's why you're not prospering. As if faith is only meant for prosperity. Maybe we should begin to redefine faith. What took Moses out of Egypt was faith. But it took him out of works and authority and power. Why is your faith meant for only prosperity? So that when your member doesn't prosper, he has no faith. It's not true. Faith defines your destiny. All the heroes of faith in Hebrews 1, we never saw one that used faith to get prosperity. Now you tell lies all over the place. What about if your people begin to discover that that is not exactly what faith is meant for? What will be your position? Hallelujah. One of the ways by which you overcome this kind of issue is diligent study of God's word and fervent prayers in the spirit. Why did I say so? Don't allow your members to know more than you do. You can't lead them. Because when they know more than you do and they ask you questions that you can't answer, you end up telling lies. But nobody wants lies from his leader. Just like you don't expect eloquence from fools. Some of you 
All you care to do is to watch what is on television and preach. Sometimes your member must have watched the same program over time before you watched it. When you come to church to preach, they know where you are talking from. You can't fool the people. You can fool some, some of the time, but not all people all the time. They are smarter than you. What you don't know, admit you don't know. But we can search it out together. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Please know this fact. Do not. People don't expect lies from you. Hallelujah. Let's go down something we need to see. The measure of operation. First Corinthians 15 verse 10. The measure of operation. By the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace was bestowed upon me. was not in vain. But I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. The grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words what defines you. Is God's grace. And in that case you can't be like any other person. You can't. Your true you is God's grace upon your life. Now, what we've commonly defined grace to mean is divine favor. Grace is divine favor. I have no problem with that. But permit me to say something else this day. Grace is the word charis. Actually it means graciousness as gratifying of manner or act. Could be abstract or concrete, figuratively or spiritually. Especially, listen to this the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. In other words, you can't perform beyond the level of influence that God releases into your life. So Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Let me give you a typical example. You know the woman that fed Elijah. Now you can always tell people. Look at the woman of Zarephath. The widow that fed Elijah. Bring your widow's might. Or bring your whatever. You know whatever story you talk about and all that. But take time to read that scripture very well. In verse number 9 of verse 19. I can get it accurately now. Look at what it says. God spoke to Elijah and I said. Go to Zarephath to a widow. I have commanded a widow to feed you. What made the widow to do what she did was a commandment. Not because she wanted to. Are you listening to me? That commandment was a divine influence in the heart of that woman that reflected in life. What is the reflection? Because she acted under that divine influence, she entered into prosperity. Now you can understand why so many of your people you ask to give, give and nothing comes because there is no divine influence. They are not commissioned by God to do what you are asking them to do. So you can't walk. But because there was a divine influence, this woman could not resist. She did it. And two things came out of that which becomes a reflection of her life. She was once a poor woman. Now she's an oil merchant. She was poor, now she's rich. She was broke, now she's up again. Why? Because she responded. In fact, there was... Now, let me give you another example. 
Do you know in the book of Exodus when they were building the temple after Moses had given all the structure and the pattern and the Bible said those whose hearts were willing let them bring. He didn't say you 5,000 you 6,000 all the old people 7,000 let us build. That's not what Moses said. He said if the Lord leads you in your heart bring to the building and the Bible said many were dead who brought and what they brought were more than sufficient to build a house. That means not everybody brought. Now, it means the staring came from God. Not because they wanted to. Those who did not bring were not stared by God. It's as simple as that. So don't use gimmicks. Don't use lies. You have to function in a place where grace is at work. What you are not crafted for by God, if you go into it because some other person is doing it, you will crash, you will embarrass yourself. I want to repeat, ministry is not measured by number. That somebody is building a university is not a guarantee for you to do whatever you want to do to build a university. You are deceiving yourself. The grace that some of these will have to stay out there to build and run a university, you don't have it. Hallelujah. I want you to take that definition and to run with it. Amen? You can be a good teacher of the word by reason of the grace of God upon your life. You're in a prophetic of faith, it has to be by the grace of God. Everything has to be by His grace. Paul simply said, I am what I am by what? The grace of God, which is the divine influence upon the heart as it's reflected in life. By implication, if you are functioning under grace, may we know. It will show at the end of the day. When people are talking, even on TV, if you watch them, you will be able to know. This guy is a prophet, this guy is a teacher, this guy is just jumping around and making noise. You will be able to know. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Yeah. Hallelujah. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. He said, but we know both of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reveal, to reach even unto you. Verse 14 says, For we stretch not ourselves, listen, we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you as in preaching the gospel of Christ. 15 says, not boasting of things without our measure. Can you see how many times Paul is talking about the issue of measure? That is of other men's labor. But having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlightened by you according to your, our rule abundantly. Our rule. I'm going to divide two things there. Measure and rule. He said, we don't stretch ourselves beyond measure. In other words, we don't go beyond the boundaries that God has set for us to do ministry individually. Somebody mentioned Kenneth Hagen in this meeting. Kenneth Hagen never traveled out of the United States. God told him never to do that. But Kenneth Hagen reached more people than those who travel out of the country. As a measure of rule. If your ministry is going to be within this country. Don't stretch yourself to look for passports. 
But understand that it is God. Because Kenegago will not go to the embassy to look for a visa. You have no need for that. That's a measure of rule. That is not to say if he's in America, he cannot reach the wall. He can still reach the wall, and he did reach the wall. We will not stretch ourselves. That list, some, if you don't walk by this grace and this understanding I'm giving to you, you can die before your time. You know why you have a lot of sleepless nights? Because you are comparing your ministry with other people's ministry. And that's bringing a lot of headache and problem to your physical body. And don't forget the scripture. He that defied the temple of God, he shall God destroy. It's not only in sex. When you over labor beyond measure of resting, God permits you to go into corruption. Jesus rested after ministering. He went aside. Are you still there with me? Measure. He said, I'll measure. That word measure in the Greek is metron. And it's very important you understand it. It has to do with a limited portion or degree. I just want to give you only that word. A limited portion, metron. In other words, there is, there is a limited portion of the whole scope of that which God intends to do and is doing and is using people to do. Of the whole scheme of salvation program, God has given you a limited portion to function in. So there is no comparison. Just like I told you before, there is just no comparison. The minister of Elijah, he has no local assembly where he was ministering to people and they were giving him whatever. Elijah was the prophet. Remember that? He had no church. Now think about the future of John the Baptist. Hmm? You remember that man? Good. What was supposed to be the matron of John the Baptist? He paved the way for Jesus to come in. And for him to do that, he has to leave the temple. Do you know, like I always say, the name of John was not John the Baptist. His true name is John Zacharias. But because the ministry God gave to him, if you take time to read the Bible, the ultimate goal of John baptizing people was to locate Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That was all. And as soon as he located him, his ministry ended. That was his metron. Of this whole scheme of things that God intend to do, he called John to just locate the Messiah through water baptism. And as soon as that was done, he stepped aside. Are you following what I'm talking about? John will have been in the temple eating all the livers and the tozos of the beasts that they were slaughtering because his father was priest, Zachariah. Remember that? But he identified with God's ministry which had to do with his measure. And that was the grace that was given to him. So he left the city and he was in wilderness. For one primary reason too. Because the ministry that he carried was more or less, if you will, a continuation of the ministry of Elijah. That's why the Bible said the spirit of Elijah was resting on him. And the spirit of Elijah and the prophetic dimension does not stay in cities. Elijah was a wilderness man. He stays in the bush. God gives him a word. He goes in and speaks to the kings. He goes back to the bush. So there was no way John would have stayed in the city to be eating animals. You must identify the grace that is upon your life. Otherwise you miss out by way of comparison and the things that you are not supposed to do. We do not stretch ourselves beyond the portion that God has given unto us. Can I hear any amen to that? And again, you talk about the rule, canon. Talk about straight tree, the rule, the rule. It's a standard of faith or practice by implication, a boundary. He said, we will not stretch ourselves beyond the rules. 
or that you may know our rule in abundance. In other words, we, you must know the sphere of operation by which God has called us to operate in. Listen to me. I know my rules in God's house. And there is nothing you can do to make me jump around like any other man. Hallelujah. You can't bring methods for me to operate in which I know are not part of my rules. I will not accept them. I will not do them. Amen? So the word rule means what? Boundaries. So you should know your boundaries. You should know your boundaries of operation. What has God called you to do? This is where you are going to be effective and effectual before your people that they will recognize and acknowledge the fact that the Lord has really called a leader to function in this way. They can identify with your calling when you know exactly what you are called to do. With that, you won't stretch yourself. You won't go into comparison and competition. Some of us are called as evangelists. But you know, we like to function as general overseers. But in the true sphere of operation, if you are called to be an evangelist and how to go out into the world, and you want to be a general overseer, you won't do effectively what God intended you to do. In that case, you are walking out of lawlessness. You have no reward. You have no reward. Some of you are called to be the second man to the man that runs the ministry. Because there is a pioneering grace that everybody doesn't carry. You have to understand your sphere of calling. If you do not have a pioneering grace and you want to pioneer works, you're going to suffer. What you need to do is to align with someone and walk under that individual. Some of you think the second place is not the best place. But let me tell you, there are different spheres and graces that God releases. God called Moses to be a prophet to bring the people out, but there was different grace for Joshua to divide the land. When Moses laid hand on Joshua, what came on Joshua? Wisdom. Why? Because he's going to take wisdom to divide the land for 12 tribes in Israel, in the promised land. It was not faith that came. It was not power that came. It was wisdom. Because that's what he needed. The level and the dimension of the gifting of the spirit that comes upon you is directly connected to the assignment God has given unto you. Are you getting this? So, if you go outside of grace, then you frustrate grace. And when you frustrate grace, you labor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you getting this? Okay. Now, grace will enable you to function accurately, to know precisely what God wants, what he has called you to do, your boundaries, your spheres of operation, and things like that. I used to tell people, far back 1989, when I was not yet what I would call a minister. I wasn't even a minister then. I just newly repented. 1989, the Lord told me, you're going to travel across the nation to teach my word. I felt it was strange. I was in Jankrama then. I don't forget that. How could I be traveling to any nation to preach the word? 1989. Then I don't even have a church. I've not even started. I was just there. But you see, that thing God said in 1989 only could begin 2005. How many years after? Some of you, God, say what to you. You want to run. Say, run with this vision. 
But you must understand there is an appointed time for everything God wants to do. He is the one sending you. You don't have to send yourself. I know people say, if God doesn't call you, call yourself. I was, people say that. Well, if you call yourself, you have to pay yourself. You have to be responsible for yourself. Do you understand that? If he doesn't call you to be a pioneering man, don't run into pioneering. If he calls you to, to a group, to a group, be conscious of that group and walk with that group. When the Bible says the gospel of the king shall be preached in all nations, before the end shall come, the word nations, actually, I'll say baptizing nations. The word nation is ethnos. Ethnos means ethnic groups. The Lord can call you to just a your group people. That is your ministry. Don't think of traveling to South Africa, America to go and preach. If he calls you to the job group of people, stay with the job group of people. That's where you come from. Understand your sphere of operation. Are you listening to me? Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17. Second Corinthians 2 verse 17. When we don't stay in our sphere of operation, what happens? This is the kind of life we begin to live. 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but our sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak with Christ. We do not corrupt. You manipulate to prove your point because you are not grace to do what you are doing. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? We are not among them that does what? Corrupt the word of God. Please understand this. Very crucial. Some of us, because we are not functioning under grace, we corrupt the word to suit the things we intend to do. And we end up saying, the Lord told me. We interpret scriptures out of contents to prove the point of what we want to do. The Lord told me. It's just like I was trying to say. People have grace maybe to do ministry and they want to do all night, 40 days all night. Ask yourself, what is the purpose? Why did you initiate 40 days all night? Because maybe one church did it to retain membership. You're deceiving yourself. You want to retain people? Therefore, you have to do all night for 40 days and 40 nights. You're just wasting your energy. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You're deceiving yourself. You don't need to go into that. You are corrupting the word. Now, look at 2 Corinthians 4. Because time is not there to have so many things to say. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. I'm going to say something here a little bit. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not working in craftiness, not only the word of God deceitfully, but by manifesting of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. The word deceitfully is dulo. Dulo means to adulterate, to handle deceitfully. Have we not really adulterated the word of God today in the church because we want to make ends meet? I don't want to be critical. But let's observe the things we do in terms of practice and see if we are not really adulterating the word of God. I mentioned it in Isha time. Now we have today, I was speaking to a minister, they were telling him, 
why are you doing all this? Now I'm not criticizing, I'm just trying to be observant. Why are you doing all this? He told him, I said, listen to me. You can tell me to stop selling this overlay or this pure water. Because when I was not selling them, I was almost going to die of poverty. But since I started selling this olive oil and sachet water, am I not living well? So what answer do you expect the man to give? Sure you are living well. Adulterating the word of God by bringing bottles of water and putting prize on them, putting labels on them. And saying this is what is going to give people life. I have asked this question. If what makes you to reach God is what you call a point of contact, olive oil or pure water or salt. If you walk in the high sea, I mean, you're going to be there for three months and your olive oil got finished. And God woke you up in the night and said, get up and pray. What will be your response? God, my olive oil is gone. It's unfortunate. But when you come out there and say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why can't the one that is greater make you preach or pray in the high sea when your ordinary bottle of oil is finished? Adulterating the world. We have brought what is in the world into the church and we color it with Jesus' name. Deceitfully. We do not handle the word of God deceitfully because we have received the ministry of the spirit that transforms people into the very image and likeness of God. Anything you do that cannot raise people to become self-conscious of who they are and their relationship to God is deceitfulness. Assess your church and see what is the level of growth. Some of you think growth basically is size. But take this from me. That somebody is very fat doesn't mean he's healthy. Am I correct? So what is growth? If you have a child of 10 years and it's not as big as somebody of 80 years old, you start having problem in your mind. Am I correct? The Bible tells us of growing into the stature or the measure of Christ. I have two ways of defining growth. It's either it is horizontal or vertical. In the true ministry is making people grow vertically, attaining to Christ's consciousness and becoming as one, which is the image and likeness of God. But you can spread and not growing up into Christ. You can spread that your people are being tossed to and fro. And you join others to assist them to remain the same way by playing games. Hallelujah. We do not handle the word of God deceitfully. I've always told us this that you call my number doesn't make me believe you. Because it doesn't make meaning to me. First place, I know my number. I don't want you to remind me about it. If you have nothing to tell me, then let's continue with ministry or do something else. It's not a proof of anything to me. Are you still there? 
He said, we have received this word of the ministry that transforms people. We don't handle it deceitfully. Hallelujah. Okay. Second Corinthians 7 verse number 4, verse number 2. I like this. Second Corinthians 7 verse number 2. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Can you boast of these people of God? Second Corinthians 7 verse number 2. Paul is speaking. Can ministers today stand on the podium and make the same statement? We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. You know what is going on in churches today. And you see, history will always repeat itself. For there is nothing new under the sun. All that we see today was there in the days of Paul. He was writing to the Corinthian church. When he said, we corrupted no man, it means some persons were there corrupting people. When he said, we defrauded no man, it means some ministers were there defrauding the Corinthian church. And we do the same today. By all the games we play, all the gimmicks that we put in place. Hallelujah. The Lord will help us. We have a lot of false teachings going on. Corrupting the world so as to make gain. Thinking that great gain is godliness. If your emphasis is on how much you can make, I beg to say, you miss the mark. If you do not know, I mean if you know genuinely that you are not called by the Lord, let me ask you this question. When you say minister, what does it really mean? Minister is not just servant. It means, even if you want to use the word servant, it really means ministry, which has to do with distribution. Because even a servant distributes what is given unto him. Let me give you a simple illustration. When you say minister of education, what do you mean? It means the portfolio of the minister is to target illiteracy in that country. Am I communicating? That based on that man's portfolio, illiteracy must be what eradicated. So when you say you are a minister of God, what is it supposed to mean? Spiritual illiteracy has to be what? Eradicated. What are you impacting? God himself. Because you are a minister of God means you are distributing God. It's not a title. It's a function that carries with it virtues and abilities. So you can't say you are a minister of God and the people you are ministering to don't have God. I say everybody minister of God, minister of God. It's funny. What are you impacting? <laughs> How is the life of the people you are ministering to be transformed? Minister. He said they have brought you into bondage. When he said we have corrupted no man. Second Corinthians 3. I mean 11 verse 3. You are going to find out. They are brought into bondage. They have taken off you. Devoured your exhort. You know. They brought you into bondage. means. Instead of walking in the liberty and the understanding of the spirit of Christ. They brought in a lot of religious exercises. That you not do. Yet without benefit. 
Read Second Corinthians 3 verse number 1. That is why the scripture was talking about men just like Eve. I mean, garden, in the garden where Satan beguiled Eve and deceived him from the simplicity of the word of God. Hallelujah. We have a lot of prophets today. We have a lot of apostles today. All manner of persons showing up in the body of Christ. But without the true word that can transform the people. We were together in Cameroon two weeks ago. Well, three weeks now. Three weeks now. When I came back from Europe, we had a meeting in Cameroon. We were in Cameroon. We were there together. I was embarrassed when they were talking about Nigerian pastors. I was looking for a place to hide myself. The kind of games we play. God bless you, brother. The kind of games we play. I was thinking of God help me to hide myself. I was ashamed of being a Nigerian. What are we talking about? Corrupting the world because of money that you can make. May God help us. Hallelujah. For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man defile you, if a man take off you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Second Corinthians 11 verse 20. Somebody was doing this to the church. Second Corinthians 11 verse 20. For you suffer if a man bring you. You know what? You enjoy it. He was talking to the church. If a man bring you into bondage, if a man defile you, if a man take off you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, you swallow that. And that's what we do to the church. I remember there was a church in Benin, sir. The man stands by the gate. He comes church, he flog you. And the time comes when, if he's on the altar, you come later to church. Entirely people say, frog jump. You will do frog jump in the church. Praise of your wife and children. It's wonderful. The Bible says you love it so. Some of us, you see, when you, you see, human beings like I don't know, when you are not harsh and stupid, they don't respect you. I think that's why we are running after titles and all of these things because we want respect from people. We want them to obey us. We have to use all manner of tricks and all that. May God forgive us. Let me give you this word because I'm already getting a signal to quote. I mean to quit. I said develop yourself. To avoid all these gimmicks, to avoid corrupting the word of God, develop yourself. What did I say? Develop yourself. John, I think 19, you read from 15 down, you're going to get a story. That has to do with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and how they, they wrote Jesus Christ of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Remember that? And the Bible says it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. John 19 from 15 down to 20. It was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. Can I tell you something this day? Why do you think God chose Apostle Paul to reach out to the Gentiles? Amen? When Jesus was crucified... These three languages were what they use in writing it. The only man that can carry the message is the man that understands the three languages. Paul understood the Jewish language and even the religion. He understood Greek. 
he had a Roman citizenship. As a good, a good scholar, he understood Latin. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And this is one of the reasons God had to be Paul to go to the Gentiles. Nobody was qualified to go to the Gentiles. God will not send you if you don't have the credentials. Develop yourself. Stop playing game. Stop telling stories. Stop copying. Now I'm not saying don't study people's material and preach out of them. You can because it's still God's word. But don't assume that they are yours. Read and study and get a revelation out of what you are reading. And let it become personal. You communicate what is yours. You don't communicate. Oh, come on, help me, people. You don't begin to take people's thing and dumping it. You need to once in a while explain the things you do. Listen closely. There's a big difference between preaching and teaching. We have had a lot of preachers. Now we need teachers. What's the difference? When you preach, you proclaim. John the Baptist went about preaching and saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The question is, what is the kingdom? It took Apostle Paul to teach. I said, the kingdom of God is no meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Until Paul explained what the kingdom is, you can talk kingdom and not experience kingdom. We've had a lot of preachers. Now we need some people to settle down. You know what I recommend for the church this day? A classroom atmosphere. Not jumping around, sweating like a he-goat, and nothing is coming out of you. Repeating yourself all over again and again and again. I say you will make it. I say you will make it. You keep saying that because you have nothing to offer. What are they making? This year is your year. And the year is, is indicator from the one. Is that this year is terrible. I say this year is your year. I say you will make it. Confess by faith. What faith? Faith coming by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. Not the shouts. Hallelujah. Final word for us. Staying at our post. Staying at our post. Second Corinthians 6. I'm just going to be reading straight from 1 to 10. Okay, I can just pick it from here. <sighs> Companions, as we are with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. For God reminds us. When he's saying this, I'm reading from the from the message translation, he's talking about don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't squander this life that God has given to us. I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help you. When now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Verse 3. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark on everything we are doing. Our work as God's servant gets validated or not. In the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post. Are you still there? Alertly, unsavingly, in hard times. Listen, in hard times, in tough times, in bad times. What am I trying to make you understand? All this thing I'm mentioning should not take you out of the measure that God has given unto you. Are you listening to me? In hard times, in tough times, in bad times, when we are beating up jail and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, 
with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, in holiness, in honesty, in love. When we are telling the truth, and when God's showering His power, when we are doing our best, setting things right, when we are praised, and when we are blamed, standard and honored, through to the world, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Hallelujah. Immense in tears, yes, only see with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, yet having it all. Stay at your post. Stay at your post. Don't compare yourself with anybody. It may be that you seem not to have, but you are making many rich when you preach the truth to them. But the truth is, this man will turn around tomorrow and be the one that will sustain you. Hallelujah. I know how much, sorry, this is camera, but I wouldn't mind that. How much my brother has been of great help to us, myself in particular. But when he came to us, when he was with NNPC, and he said, I want to fellowship with you. I told him, you can't fellowship here. He said, why? I said, this place is too small for you. Go to a big church. I will have jumped out to say, oh, I caught a big fish. No. It's not the issue of a big fish. It's a relationship that matters. Does he believe in me? It's not the issue of a big fish. And he said, no, I want to fellowship with you. Three times I told him, please go back. Go to either Roman Catholic Church or Christ Embassy. It's a big church. This place is too small for you. You're a big church in an NPC. He said, no, I want to fellowship with you. I could accept it. It was not the issue of the mentality of a big fish. But I need a relationship. And since we came together, we've not just been friends with my brothers. He knows all about me and I know all about him. That's relationship. That's what God wants. Am I talking to someone here? Do the ministry. Don't frustrate. Listen to the, this terrible thing that Paul was talking about. Read it again. and see. Even if you are, I mean, rumor down, run down, let the whole world collapse on you. Stay at your post. Knowing that the Lord called you and graced you. A final note I quit with this. Except there is a vacancy. Nobody will advertise for employment. If you are sure God called you, that means there's a vacuum he wants you to fill. So know the vacuum. Because even in the natural, somebody's advertising, you could either a clerk, a messenger, a manager, and they will specify the credentials. God cannot call you without having something for you to do. Stay at your post. God bless you.